0: Today being Easter Sunday, um, I entitled this message, "The Eradication of the Human, the Deadly Human Virus." We're living in a day when we're dealing with a virus. We're dealing with um, COVID nineteen and all that goes along with that. And yet there was a virus that came into humanity long before there was a COVID-19. So I understand it. There are seven coronaviruses. COVID-19 is just one of those and the newest one. But I want to tell you that all seven of those uh, are predated by a virus that all of humanity was subject to. And today we're going to take a look at that deadly human virus that afflicts the entire population of humanity. Not one person born ever since Adam and Eve were in the garden, not one person has been immune to this virus. Do I have a slide for that? I do. Okay. And so to continue, we're going to consider the provision of, That allows us to be rid of this virus forever. The provision made by our Lord Jesus Christ. So that you and I, this human virus, this deadly human virus can be eradicated from our lives forever. And to do that, we have to examine the price that was paid and the victory that was won. You may be watching today and you would not call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, there's probably a reason you're watching. But I want to to encourage you today to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as we go through the scriptures and the word of God. That God would, would bring your heart to a place. As you see the entirety of God's work, of Christ's work, that his faith would rise up in you and his grace would bring you to the foot of the cross we're dealing with a situation, Genesis 2.16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. It's a sure death. When Adam disobeyed the father, partook of the fruit, Forever, The human race was tainted with this deadly human virus that causes true death. So the deadly virus that we deal with entered the human race in the Garden of Eden. And it spreads by propagation. There is no such thing as a six foot distance between people. That makes us immune to this virus. Propagation. And it brings death. James said sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. So you sure are being morbid today. But we got to understand that we were dead before we became alive. We got to understand that this virus we're talking about. This deadly human virus causes death. Sin causes death. Maybe It may not cause physical death, but it certainly causes death to be within us. And so today we remember that Easter, or Resurrection Sunday, is the account of light coming into the world and overcoming darkness and the effects of darkness. We can choose today, in the midst of all that we're dealing with, we can choose to focus On the dark moments in our lives. We could moan and whine and complain. My experience has been. That gains us nothing. Or. We can take a look. We can peer. Into. An empty tomb. And embrace the light. That comes from that tomb. And watch. As the darkness flees. Can I tell you that in the midst of the storm and in the midst of the crisis and in the midst of whatever you and I are going through, what challenges we faced, we can find light. And As I've often said, you can be in the storm, but the storm doesn't have to be in you. That's victory. After all, remember, Easter happened in the dark so we could have hope in the light. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. may seem an odd passage for Easter Sunday, but it's not. And in a little while, I'm going to ask you to turn to another passage, and that would be Isaiah 53. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is writing his first letter, or maybe his first letter, we're not real sure, to the church of Corinth. And he, he, I'm going to read verses 3 through 11. We're just going to focus in on a couple of verses, but I want you to see it in context. And I'm reading once again from the English Standard Version. Beginning in verse 3, Paul writes, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. What we find in this passage is what I call the complete gospel. The complete gospel. Someone says, what is, what is the content of the gospel? Well, that's a, that's a broad subject, but I'm giving you two verses that will help you here. Verse 3 says that he died for our sins. The key there is our sins. He died for your sins, and he died for my sins. We didn't ask him to. And he did it without promise of reciprocation. And yet he did it anyway. He died for our sins. Scripture tells us that he was, after he died for our sins, he was buried in a tomb. that's as prophesied in the Old Testament. He was buried in a tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man. It's interesting that Joseph of Arimathea's cohort in removing the body of Jesus and placing it in a borrowed tomb... His cohort was none other than Nicodemus, or we've referred to him as Nick at night. John chapter 3. And they placed him in this tomb. The stone was rolled and closed and the seal put on the face of the tomb. But we also understand that he rose on the third day. He rose on the third day. and We're going to deal with that in a moment. And here's the key. Twice in this passage we just read, it says... All according to the scriptures. You can find myriads of Old Testament scriptures that promise and prophesy these happenings. Uh, And I I wasn't even going to begin to try. But you can look up in your concordances that the gospel in verse 3, he said, uh, he said, he Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Embrace the Scriptures, saints. And what we understand from that is that Calvary, or the cross, expresses the love of God to humanity. When you see Jesus hanging on the cross, you see John 3.16, that God loved the world so much that he gave his son. It expresses his love. The resurrection, however, explains the power of God. The cross shows us the love of God, The resurrection explains to us the power of God and the power in which we live. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the standard of power in the New Testament. It's often referred to the resurrection of Christ, the power of Christ's resurrection, the resurrected life. It is the standard by which we measure power in the New Testament. I remind you, for those of us and those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, that the scripture says that the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Same spirit, same power. So for what reason did Jesus die and rise from the dead? What reason? If you want a simple answer, you just look at Romans 14, 9. It says this for this end or for this purpose, Christ died and lived again. That he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Both of the dead, those who have gone on, and of the living. That's you and I, hopefully. Hope no one's listening to me this morning that's not living. <laughs> yeah, I think you got that. So, so where does that bring us? It brings us. To view the eternal Passover lamb. We know, most of us know, that the the Passover was instituted so that the the death angel would pass by a home. And they would see the blood on the doorpost and pass by. And and Jesus comes as our eternal Passover lamb. Under the old covenant, this must be done often, once a year or more often if you want to. Uh, under the new covenant, the Bible says when Christ did the works that he came to do, he sat down. And when he sat down, that meant he was not doing anymore, And what he did was good for eternity. Paul refers to Christ, our Passover lamb. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Paul, our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us. So he becomes our Passover lamb. We don't need another one. There's not another one coming and he doesn't need to do it again. He doesn't need to die again because what he did was eternal. Now, as I said earlier, if you would turn to Isaiah 53, it's the best New Testament passage in the Old Testament. There's so much in Isaiah that speak of Jesus and speak prophetically of Jesus. There's so much in Isaiah that is completely descriptive of what happened. And yet it's 700 years prior to Christ. Verse. let let's see. verse one. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him. Like a plant and like a root out of dry ground. This is interesting. It says of of Jesus prophetically, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was just a regular guy is what what, uh, Isaiah is writing. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, he has borne our griefs. Born. He's taken them upon himself. He's taken the griefs that we have. And actually, in many ways, the Hebrew word there means sicknesses. And he carried our sorrows. When it says, it says, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. What does that mean? Well, the New Living Translation really gets, hits it on the, the nail on the head, so to speak. And it says this. And we thought his troubles were a punishment. Is that our slide for that? Our, our slide goer, you guys paying too much attention and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God a punishment for his own sins in other words we we thought he was being punished for what he what he deserved we thought he was getting what he deserved Isaiah writes it says he was pierced for our transgressions pierced do we know that he was pierced in his side? For our transgressions, and He was crushed for our iniquities. Another word for iniquities is lawlessness. We'll come back to that in just a moment. It says that the chastisement that brought us peace, verse verse five, was placed upon Him. Peace, and that's the word shalom. Was doesn't just mean the absence of conflict, but it means well-being. That we're complete in Him. It means that we have been renewed with the Father. It says that he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastisement that gave us peace, and with his wounds we are healed, or by his stripes we are healed. Of course, Isaiah is perfectly describing the crucifixion of Christ here. Why was this necessary? Why was it necessary that Jesus... Would take these painful elements of that day. Upon himself. Well verse 6 tells us that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. The iniquity of us all. What is the iniquity? It's the turning of our own way. We as a human race. Have turned to our own way. We did that in the Garden of Eden. And as I've often said. People say well if Adam and Eve had not sinned. We'd be okay. And I often say. We would have done the same thing. We would have just done it sooner. The Lord laid on him our iniquity. That's not fair. I've told you a thousand times. God's not fair. He's just. It goes on to say. That it was God's will to crush him. That doesn't sound like a loving father. Well, God sees what we don't see. God understands what we don't understand. But he crushed him. All of these things that Isaiah prophesied happened to the Lord Jesus. He did die. He he was pierced. He was crushed. He did bear our transgressions. He did take upon himself the sins of mankind and then he was resurrected well the question becomes then what was he resurrected from well obviously death he was obviously resurrected from death but even more importantly he was resurrected from the burden of the fall of mankind on the cross jesus bore the burden of sin for mankind on the cross he became sin. He didn't just bear our sins. He became the very embodiment of our sins. He became the one who took the penalty for what we, as a human race, had been. Sometimes in that in those days, when when someone was crucified, a criminal. And of course, Jesus was crucified with criminals. Uh, they would take the writ. Uh, The sentence that was pronounced on this particular criminal, and they would nail it to the tree that they were crucified on so that you could walk by and see the charges and why they had been executed. Colossians, I think, teaches us that Jesus took the writ that was against us. And when the devil walked by the cross that day and he looked up there, he saw your penalty. And he saw my penalty and he saw the execution that we deserved being taken by another, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was resurrected from the burden of the fall of mankind that he bore. And that's because the penalty of sin is death. Sin can only be Atoned for by the death. That's why we had in the old covenant, we had a lamb that was slain. In the new covenant, we have the lamb who is slain. Penalty, the penalty of sin is death. Romans 6 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The result of sin is death, but we have a gift from Jesus Christ, which is life. My friend Glenn Rochelle sent me some quotes yesterday morning of some ministers some great quotes about the resurrection of Jesus. And one of them was this quote from Lee Strobel. He said, Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people live. Dead people live. The wages of sin is death But the gift of God is life. He came to make you and me alive. As Jesus bore the burden of mankind upon him. The debt that we owed of sin must be satisfied, was satisfied. Why? The worship team didn't know I had this in my notes. Because Jesus paid it all. That's why. He didn't pay part of it. He didn't just uh, die on the cross so we can get a little better. He died on the cross so that he could pay the debt of sin that we owed. It has to be said. Why does it have to be satisfied? Because God is a just God. Those of you who read my most reno- recent kernels of truth, I believe that's where I wrote it. God did not take a cosmic eraser and erase our sins. That would have violated his very nature. They had to be atoned for. They had to be the penalty had to be paid. Jesus didn't erase our sins. He paid the debt for our sins. And once the debt is paid, they're satisfied. It's no longer there. Into the tomb, Jesus carried all the sin, ugliness, sickness, bondage, and death. That can be produced by sinful mankind. He carried that into the tomb. He's hanging on the cross. Asking God why had he forsaken him. By the way you can find that in Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? And that's because in that moment. All the sin, ugliness, sin, sickness, bondage and death. Was resting on him as he bore our sins. In other words the condition of mankind. Had now become. The condition of Jesus our Lord. He was sin. And he was encapsulated inside that tomb. He was sealed. There was no way to get out. No way for him to escape the tomb. But he did. He did. The power of the Holy Spirit. The scripture tells us permeated his body. I would like to have been there. To see if when the power of the Holy Spirit touched the body of Jesus. If he jumped up or if parts of his body began to move. And then he, then he got up. But I'll tell you this. That when he walked away from the tomb. He left all that behind. All the sickness. All the bondage. All the death. All the sin. All the ugliness. When he walked out of that tomb. He left all of that behind because he had paid the price. By the way, as a side note, John 27 tells us the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Jesus had taken the time to fold his face cloth and laid it down. So I don't want anybody else giving me a hard time for being OCD. Jesus took the time. And so what does this mean? What does this mean that that he's died, he's resurrected, he walked out of the tomb leaving all of that behind? What does this mean? It means that he was vindicated by the Father. 1 Timothy 3.16, among other things, tells us that Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. And why would the Son of God, the sinless, perfect Son of God who knew no sin, why would he need to be vindicated For anything. Of course the word vindicated means to show to be righteous. Or to render innocent. This is vindicated. Why would Jesus need to be shown as righteous? Why would Jesus need to be rendered as innocent? We know he was innocent. Well that's because. As I've already said hanging on that cross. He bore our shame. He bore our sin. In other words, Jesus became the very object of God's wrath. He became the object of God's wrath. Just imagine, just think about that. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the son of God, by the way. Born of a virgin. Perfect. William Barclay, who I often disagree with, said this. I don't disagree with this, by the way. It was as if God pointed at the cross and said, that is what men think of my son. And then pointed at the resurrection and said, that is what I think of my son. Men think of of Jesus as one who can be crucified. But God says, when I look at the resurrection, I see God's love for his son. It was a vindication from the wrongful verdict that had been issued against him By the sinful human court and a declaration of his righteousness. A sinful human court. Who were the judges? You were. And me. Because our sin pronounced the sentence upon him. It was a vindication from that. And then a professor of biblical theology at Princeton. Sometimes called the father of reformed biblical theology. I need Rob Shearer here to pronounce this name. Gerhardus Voss. I'm sure that's a Florida way of saying a German name. He said this. Christ's resurrection was the de facto declaration of God in regard to his being just. His quickening bears, or his coming to life, bears in itself the testimony of his justification. God, through suspending the forces of death operating on him, declared that the ultimate, the supreme consequence of sin had reached its termination. I'm going to stop there. I know it's still on the screen. It had reached the consequence of sin, the consequence of your sin, and the consequence of my sin had reached its termination. In other words, resurrection had annulled the sentence. Of condemnation. Let that sink in. The resurrection had annulled your sentence. The resurrection had annulled my sentence because Jesus bore the sin and then was vindicated by the Father and walked out of that tomb leaving our sins behind. He didn't come out with them. And in Acts, Luke says, but God, I mean, Paul, Peter says, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. There was no way that death, the devil, all the angels were going to keep him in that state. The power, don't miss this, the power of the Holy Spirit And the resurrection power invaded his body, and he came back to life. Not one demon in hell could do anything about it. When you think that you got a problem, when you think God can't touch your circumstances, you think about Jesus walking out of that tomb. And if there would have been any way that Satan and his demons could have stopped that, they would have done it. But they couldn't. Excuse me. I had something I wanted to read and I forgot to get it out of my folder. Listen to this. This is, well, this is something I wrote five years ago for the local newspaper. It was on the cross that Jesus paid the ultimate price to buy our way out of bondage and settle our account with a just and holy God. When his cousin John saw him walking down the shores of the Sea of Galilee and proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God, he was seeing something in the future that had nothing to do with a sweet, cuddly animal. John was seeing the placing upon that tree of the Lamb of God, slain for mankind, offering the sacrifice that would be satisfactory for all time, once and for all. In a moment. When Satan thought he had won the battle of all battles and beheld the dead Savior, the father decided to throw him a curveball. Out of the state of death, Jesus rose back to life. He was very dead and then he was very alive. He had taken upon himself the sins of humanity to the degree that Paul writes. He became sin who knew no sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. He died with our sins heaped upon him and the certificate of debt nailed to the cross. But the father validated or vindicated the son by sending the spirit to energize his lifeless body, defying the laws of science that he, God, created. Up from the grave he arose, the song says, with a mighty triumph over his foes. Sin's price had been paid, and now the vessel of atonement was quickened back to life. The great part is that our sins were not resurrected with him. They were cast as far as the east is from the west. The account was settled between us and the Father by the Son. The old account was settled long ago. I'd like to close by giving you a line from an Isaac Watts song from 1719. The title of the song is, This is the day the Lord hath made. Of course, we in modern times have sang Psalm 118, but that's not what this is. Just one verse. It says, Today he rose and left the dead, and Satan's empire fell. Today his saints, his triumph spread. And all his wonders tell. Living in the power of his resurrection is living your life standing again and again and again. Some definitions of the word resurrection is to means to stand. You and I have the ability to stand in life in the face of circumstances. You and I stand again. We're faced with a difficulty. We stand. We knock down. We get back up. We stand. How can we stand? The resurrection. Power of Jesus Christ. Bill Gaither said it this way, and this is where we'll close. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just Because he lives, we'll do that one more time and you can sing with us this time. Because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can face tomorrow because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives. Lord, we thank You today that You live. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that when you go to the tomb, of all the other gods with a little G, you find bones. If we were to go to that tomb today in that garden, we would find nothing unless we found the bones of Joseph of Arimathea. We thank you today that we worship a living God who is active, who is involved, who is accessible, more than all, more than anything else we thank you lord jesus for going to the cross for bearing the sins of mankind so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and we thank you lord god when our savior was laying there lifeless in that tomb thank you that the holy spirit quickened that body and brought him back to life fully functional Without the burden of the sin of mankind. So that today we worship you, Lord Jesus. Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for all those who have put their faith in you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We worship you today. For the resurrection power that was distributed and exhibited in you. Thank you, Lord God. And the last thing I'll do is just to say this. Again, as I said earlier, there may be some of you who are watching this and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ. The jailer asked Paul and Silas, he said, what must I do to be saved? Paul answered him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. What are you going to believe? What are you going to put your faith in? What we've talked about today. Jesus paid your debt. Jesus paid your sin. He paid for you to come out of death into life. And I pray that God's Holy Spirit would draw you to himself. Thank you for paying attention. Thank you for participating in this unusual Easter service today. And may God's blessings be poured out richly upon you And your household, have a great day and have a great week. God bless you.